1 Corinthians 14, 1. And we're going to be wrapping prophecy up tonight. It's after tonight, it's over. Uh, so you pray I get through with it. Because, but, but if I don't, it's still over. Hallelujah. So, uh, so I'm going to try to get through with this tonight. And we're going to see more of the practical side of prophecy tonight. I think I've proved to you. But we'll start with two scriptures. Uh, follow after charity or love and desire spiritual gifts, but rather that you may prophesy, or as some versions say, especially that you may prophesy. And uh, so desire it. We're to desire all the spiritual gifts in our lives. We're actually to pursue. One version says pursue spiritual gifts. We're to go after the spiritual gifts. Now, we received the Holy Spirit when we got baptized in the Spirit, and and those gifts belong to him. So if the Holy Spirit's inside of us, the gifts are inside of us. But we have to pursue and develop and, uh, you know, call those forth. But he says especially that you may prophesy. So prophecy is important, isn't it? God doesn't put scriptures in the Bible and waste them. Verse 31, for ye may all prophesy. For ye may all prophesy. And he says there one by one and gives some instructions that all may learn and all may be comforted. And we know, and there's another scripture, and I didn't write it down, but that uh, prophecy, the purpose of prophecy is exhortation, edification, exhortation, and comfort. To build up, uh, to, to call up, and to uh, cheer up. <laughs> Hallelujah. Uh, if you want that, that. So build, we build our, people are built up when they receive a prophecy. And they're also cheered up. It encourages us. And it, one thing it just really encourages is to go on and go after God. I know the prophecies that I have been given have a lot of times spurred me into new levels of prayer and pursuit for, for what God was saying to understand what the prophecy meant. And then sometimes to, uh, I wanted what had been promised. I know Steve Sampson gave me word and said, uh, I'm gonna, God's going to lay a beautiful silver key in your hand. And that was a great area of pursuit in my life for a long time and still is. I'm still pursuing the silver key. Although I've had some, I've been, I've seen what some of the keys are, but I just believe there's always another key, you know. Hallelujah. So those, I can't have time to share them all, all the great things that God has given us through prophecy, but uh, hallelujah. So let's talk about prophecy and divine order tonight. And I want to say to you, I'm going to tell you some things, kind of some do's and don'ts, but these are guidelines, not laws. We don't want to come under the law, and I don't in any way want to hinder or squelch the spirit. I mean, we are endeavoring to have a culture of prophecy here, but we can, I'm going to just tell you some of the things really that I go by and that I do and, and, and because, you know, there's kind of a, a etiquette and a flow that will just make prophecy flow easier. Um, so, uh, <clears throat> and let's start off with talking about uh, perfection in prophecy. You know, we kind of got an Old Testament theory. The Bible says in the Old Testament, you know, if the prophet's, prophet's prophecy doesn't come true, shoot him. Well, not shoot him, but literally stone him. <laughs> <laughs> but that's old covenant. That's not. That's not the. Um, uh, that's not new covenant. And in the old covenant, the prophet was the only way people had to hear from God, and so he had to. It had to be accurate. It had to be right. And uh, but in the new covenant, uh, we are the pre. We are called uh, where there were priests, prophets, and kings. We are. Uh, a chosen generation and the Bible says we're the priests of our life we're the prophet of our life in other words we don't have to have a go-between to hear God and so I've heard people say and I think this is a good rule of thumb is don't ever act on a prophecy don't ever make a decision on a prophecy a prophecy that comes to you should either confirm something or it should key you into something that you need to start praying about but to just go out like somebody says well I see change in your life well and you just go out and quit your job or or if they might say well you know I just see you and something about a job and I really believe you're getting a promotion or something and you go out and quit your job that would be foolish and we are not into foolishness are we and so we need to pray things out. We need to get confirmations. We need to run it by our pastor when we, you know, hallelujah. And when people are afraid to run something by their pastor, usually what that means, they've already made up. First of all, it means that they already know it's not right. 
Because if you really believe it is right, you're not afraid to tell someone in authority about it and get their opinion on it. And besides, why would you want to miss God? Hallelujah. And then usually they've already made up their mind they're going to do it anyway, no matter what. So don't be that way. Hallelujah. So uh, no one expects teachers in the New Testament to be perfect, do we? Flawless. We don't expect a teacher to be flawless. I would hate, Pastor and I took the things we taught in Seminole, and we had cassette tapes from Seminole that we moved to Alabama, and we threw them in the garbage. Why? Because we got a lot more light than we had back then. And, you know, it's just like, you know, we just don't need that. There might be a lot of good stuff still in it. I don't think we taught anything blatantly wrong, but but I just don't think I think everybody anybody in here would be bored and say, "Well, I've known that since," you know. So we've grown, we've matured. So we don't expect teachers to be flawless. So why do we expect our prophets in the new covenant to be flawless? We don't. If we expect perfection from beginners who are beginning prophesying, we will stop the flow of the prophetic in our church. So we don't expect perfection. Hallelujah. We can be free to practice in the right way and at the right time. When the timing's right, hallelujah, we practice. However, saying, having said that, that we don't have to be perfect and we are free to practice, it does not exempt us from training and being teachable and being submitted. We should be trained, and we should have training, and we should be teachable, and we should be submitted. Now, a lot of churches like ours, spirit-filled churches, you, it's just, no, just cut it off. I've been told by pastors, no, because it might get weird, it might get jicky, it might, and, it, and there, there is that possibility. But the thing is, we can either cut it off completely and be, be denied that powerful thing that God has given to the church, just like some people cut the baptism of the Holy Spirit off, or we can just train our people. We can teach the people, train the people how to flow with prophecy. And I, Pastor and I have chose teaching and training over uh, just saying no to all prophecy. So, uh, <clears throat> hallelujah. The pressure to be perfect in any area will destroy a minister. The pressure to be perfect. So we're not asking for perfection. We're just asking for you to be teachable. Hallelujah. Many people take themselves out of ministry because of a few small mistakes. You know, they make two or three mistakes and they just shut down. And that's not what you need to do. If you make some mistakes, just grow from it. Go home. You know, Pastor and I have spent years. We don't do it as much anymore, but we spent years going home and groaning on Wednesday evening and on Sunday morning, groaning for about four hours over something we said. But then we found out, you know, we didn't have to be perfect and that God would cover for us. Hallelujah. And so God covers for us when we make mistakes. Hallelujah. And then also, sometimes we see other people make mistakes, and we take ourselves out of ministry because we just say, well, I'm never going there. I'm not going to do that because I saw that they made a mistake. You know, have you ever been embarrassed for somebody else? Yeah, I've sometimes been embarrassed for somebody else. But uh, hallelujah, we don't take ourselves out of ministry. We have to answer the call of God, bottom line. Whether we make a mistake, whether it's messy. I know we had a, a man in once, an evangelist, and he said, do it messy. And, uh, and he was talking about evangelizing and witnessing and go out and on the street. Do it messy. You know, we don't have to have the perfect words. And it's amazing. Um, it's amazing how people uh, will still be get blessed when we... Did, the word didn't come out perfectly. We weren't able to say it like we thought it, or, or, or maybe we just even missed it. But somehow God turns it and makes it into a blessing anyway. Our Father God, He is a Father. He's not a harsh judge. Amen. So uh, we need to face the facts. So right now we're going to face the facts that mistakes will happen. And you need to face the facts that even when we have a, a prophet that's been doing it 30 years, they could miss it coming in the church. Now, most of the time, they don't. Most of the time, they just prophesy something we didn't want to hear. <laughs> Hallelujah. And we kind of have to grow into what they said. You know what I'm saying? 
And I know I've had prophecies given to me and I didn't want to hear it. And then later I said, well, you know, she was right, even though I didn't really like that prophecy at the time. And so sometimes that's the way it is. And sometimes we just, it, sometimes God's just cluing us into something. Brother Hagen used to always say, if you don't understand it, put it up on the shelf. And someday you may need it. You may take it down off the shelf and you may be mature enough to handle it. So anybody got, we, we've got stuff that we've got set up on our shelf. Hallelujah. Until we understand it. And then sometimes people just miss it. I've told you before, I've been standing in a line when they went down the road prophesying and got to somebody right beside me and started telling them something. And I went, that is my word. I know that's my word. It fits me to a T. Now, it may have fit them to a T, too. But sometimes I think that we, we just get, a prophet can get in the presence of of it and get kind of close to it you know sometimes we have words of knowledge that way well it's over in this section you know well they might know the exact person but they're feeling something and sensing something in this section well that can be how prophecy is you can be just standing in the wrong place and you and so and they say something to you that well that was the neighbors you know or or whatever so uh um so why would god harshly judge anyone trying to obey him and help his anybody trying to obey him and help his children why would god harshly judge them well the answer is he wouldn't hallelujah god does not expect us to be instantly mature in our christian life and he does not expect us to be instantly mature in the gifts of the spirit either we have to mature in those things and it takes time it takes time it takes time there are no instant prophets there are no two-year prophets there's no, I was in the gutter two years ago, and now I'm a prophet, and you ought to listen to me. No, you ought to listen to me and, and learn a while, okay? I mean, you got to learn. you got to be submitted. you got to wait. you got to hold prophecies when you think you have them, and you've got you to be glad to hold it. You don't, you don't make a name for yourself with prophecy. You're not, if you're using prophecy to make a name for yourself or to prove to everybody in the church that you're real spiritual or that you hear from God, you've got the wrong motive. And what you're doing is you're set, if you have the wrong motive, you will set yourself up. God will let you miss it. He will let you embarrass yourself in front of the church because he's going to, you know, he's going to see to it that you get humbled. So just, hey, don't, you don't have to be humble. Just change your motive. Change your, and be willing to, uh, to not give it. If you, if you know, I know one time in Birmingham, it was right when we were going to Word of Life in Birmingham, was right after the first of the year. And I had a word from heaven. I got a word. God spoke to me a word about the new year. And it was a brief word. It wasn't long. And so Pastor Webb, he asked, he knew there was a word out there. But he called on. He said, Michael, you got a word? He asked, Roger, you got a word? So-and-so, you got a word? Miss Phyllis, you got a word? But he would not call on me. I don't know if he just didn't know or if he did, you know, or if that just, but, you know, sometimes God can give us a test that way. Now, I could have said, well, I've got the word, but I didn't. I sat there, and I sat on that word, and I didn't give it. And it was the right thing to do. I passed the test. Because then when Pastor Webb came and asked us to come over here and start a church, one of the things he said to us is, I've watched how you've handled yourself in services, and you have handled yourself well. And, you know, I could have gotten out of order. And so I didn't. And, uh, get, and then about, about three weeks later, a guest speaker came to town. Now, I had never heard anybody say this word and gave the exact same word and the scripture for the new year. So God got it there anyway. Hallelujah. And we don't need the glory. If you have to have the glory, well, I had that word first. You know, I had that word before. It was Jerry Seville. I had the word before Jerry Seville had it. And I could have, I, but I didn't. Now, I told him. Pastor, I had, the, I had the word, and I told him what it was. And when Jerry Savelle came and got it, he gave it. He said, wow, you had the word. Uh, so anyway, we have to be, um, God not only allows us to make mistakes, he expects it. Most people make mistakes by not moving in faith. That's a greater mistake than those that are out there trying. A prophecy doesn't have to be perfect to help someone. You know, you can miss big opportunities to help somebody because you're trying to make sure it's God. 
I want to make sure it's God. I want to make sure it's God. I want to make sure it's God. Well, this is going to be interesting to you. But turn to Exodus 3. And we're going to look at verse 11. And Moses said unto God, Who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh, and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? And he said, Certainly I will be with thee, and this shall be a token or sign unto thee that I have sent thee. When thou hast brought forth the people out of Egypt, ye shall serve God upon this mountain. Now what did you hear what he said? He said, You're going to know you did right after you do it. The sign that you did right is going to be after you've done it. And that's how it is with us where prophecy is concerned and a word from the Lord is God's not going to prove to us it's Him. What's going to prove to us it was Him is that we give it and they go, that helped me so much. Or sometimes I'll tell you this, you won't know for years that it was Him. Guest speakers have to live with that. They may go back somewhere 10 years later and somebody come up and say, remember me? And they go, no, you know, we only see a thousand people every week. No, well, I'm this one and this is what you said to me. And, this, and they'll go, oh, yeah, well, let me just tell you, my whole life changed and I got delivered and I got set free. And we go, wow, I did hear from God 10 years ago. So it's afterwards that you know. But we like it before. But it's after. Hallelujah. He confirms afterwards. And sometimes you may just never know. You just have to trust. Hallelujah. Every aspect of God's work. It doesn't matter if it's prophecy, any of the nine gifts of the Spirit, finances, salvation, baptism, the Holy Spirit, uh, prayer. It don't matter what it is. It all requires us to walk by faith. There is, you are not going to get to enjoy God if you just don't walk by faith. Because there's not anything that's not by faith in the whole kingdom of God. Nothing. Nothing. It's all by faith. And a lot of people are waiting for all everything to line up. It never will. It never will. Hallelujah. There's two requirements, two main requirements for prophetic ministry, and that's faith and humility. You're going to have to use faith, and you're going to have to be humble. Let me just say, and we're, I'm going really fast, but don't cheat in prophecy. You don't ever want to cheat by pr prophesying things you already know. You know, you heard so-and-so say, they don't even know you heard them say, but then you prophesy that we, think we don't do that. We be honest. Even if we bounce off of something they said, then you be honest and you say, well, now I, I heard that you were uh, going to the army. And I just want to tell you, I heard that, but then this is what God told me. He told me that you were going to be safe. You, he told me he was, you know, or whatever he told you to prophesy to him. Just be honest that I heard it, whatever you heard. Okay. And, and then also we need to know that we learn through trial and error. And the nature of life and ministry is we crawl before we walk. Hallelujah. But let's be assured tonight that God helps people through the smallest and simplest prophetic revelations. And then this is kind of opposite of what you've already heard. But anything worth doing is worth doing poorly. <laughs> now, you know, when it comes to, you know, we say do things right. And there is a, there is a thing about have excellence in our life and excellence in our ministry. But um, we start where we are and grow from there. That's the point of, you know, it's okay to do it poorly if you're starting. It's not okay if you've been practicing 30 years maybe, but if you're just starting out, it's okay. It's okay to miss it. It's okay to mess up. Hallelujah. Some people want to be excellent in ministry before they even begin ministering. Hallelujah. Another big thing that you need to remember about prophecy is do not, and we've all done this. I've seen it done in recent days. Do not attempt to interpret what you see. If you see an orange and that's all you see, say, I see an orange. And, and you will be shocked at, so, at, at somebody, and that's actually a word of knowledge versus prophecy. But we talked about the first, one of the first weeks that all of it falls under prophecy. Word of knowledge, discerning of spirits. And uh, uh, hallelujah, falls under the heading of prophecy. But it's not true prophecy. If you just said, I see an orange, that would be a word of knowledge. And so, but you'd be surprised at the people that you, they would go, that that would mean something to. 
So if God shows you something, he doesn't show you for no reason. And only give what he shows you and don't put a spin on it. Don't put an interpretation on it unless the Lord specifically gives you the interpretation. I had that happen to me. When I was really, really young in the Lord, we weren't even pastors. I went to a ladies' meeting. And there was a lady in that ladies' meeting that after the meeting, she gave me a word and she said, uh, the Lord told me that there's something that you... Uh, really have been praying about and you really want to you really need to see change in that and you've been believing God for this and he said the Lord says he's going to fix it for you he's going to fix it in you he's going to correct that and uh, and I knew what she was talking about immediately and I was like yes amen but then she said after she finished her prophecy, and I don't know if she may have prayed too, but after she finished, she said this, and she missed it a million miles. She said, and I know he's talking about your weight. Well, <laughs> yeah, not only is that just totally improper in prophecy, but number two, she interpreted something, and she didn't know that, and it wasn't what he was talking about. But I was, I knew what he was talking about, so I just didn't, I just blew that off in a sense. But the thing about it is, her name was Francine. Well, little did she know that in about seven or eight months, we were going to be her pastor because the pastor was going to leave and we were going to be the pastors. And now, do you think Francine had favor with me? You know, she might. I'm more mature now. I might could have thrown that off better. But let's just say Francine wasn't my pick of the crop in the church that we had just been, you know, hallelujah. And I'm still waiting for God to fix that thing she wanted him to fix. Hallelujah. And I think he's going to say, Debbie, you have to fix that. Hallelujah. Praise God. So we never attempt to interpret. Hallelujah. We just say what we heard. And as we begin to prophesy, we will often begin with incomplete revelation. Hallelujah. Sometimes we give a word and someone more mature might interpret that for us. So that happens sometimes in church. I know that happens in prayer. We may get one word in prayer and somebody may launch off of that and just pray the world around. So don't ever be uh, feel insignificant about being a catalyst. It is so important to be a catalyst for, for the prophetic word for somebody else. I know one time I, uh, we were praying with David Ellis. At, it was on a week morning. A weekday morning and he he was praying he was doing most of it but I I said something and he launched off of what I said it's good to be the catalyst and sometimes it's just what God needs because he wants them to to pray with their authority because they might be carrying a higher level of authority than you are and so it's great to be the catalyst in prayer and don't feel like they're running over you and taking over your thought know that you're the catalyst and every, every prayer, every prophet needs a catalyst in their life. Sometimes the, 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 the piano player can be a catalyst in prayer the, or, or even for prophecy. Hallelujah. And we don't have those. Y'all are going to have to be the catalyst since we don't have that. Uh, <clears throat> praise God. So we need to be okay with that. Incomplete revelation still has power. Never, ever disregard what God gives you, but always pursue the Lord for more revelation. Don't let general information shut you down. Sometimes we're looking for such profound words or such specific words that we won't even say the general word that God has given us. But what may sound general to us may be very pointed and accurate to another. It may sound too general. Hallelujah. You know, maybe you, you have a word for a teenage girl and it's like, well, you are, God says you're a beautiful woman. Well, they may have had also, that's pretty general, but you may have had, they may have all sorts of issues, even about, am I not really a woman? Am I, you know, we, in this day and age, you don't know. And you could give a word that you're a woman to somebody and it'd be a big revelation. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Or give a word to a man. You're a man. Hallelujah. In our day and age, that could be very significant. And that could be the very thing because they're back and forth. They don't know. Did you know there are people that just don't know that very thing? And you look like they could look in the mirror and they would know. But there are people that think that they got the wrong body. Oh, 
Hallelujah. Praise God. So don't be afraid of the general. Hallelujah. Also, one of the rules of the prophetic is to understand God's plan for authority and don't prophesy beyond your faith or beyond your realm of authority. Hallelujah. Authority always flows from responsibility in the kingdom. And that's what really prophecy is, is releasing authority into their life. For instance, I'm not call, I can't go down to Valley View and prophesy. I have no authority there because I have taken no responsibility for Valley View. And I would be completely out of divine order to go down there or to go down to there to that church and say, man, this church needs a big dose of tongues and to just start screaming out. You, know, you think people have never done that, but they have done that. One time we had a visitor come to our church in Seminole and speak in tongues and give a word. And that's out of order. Don't visit a church and give them a word. Now, if you have a word for the church, visit the church and go up to the pastor afterwards and say, I always start, here's the humility, I think, I think I have a word for the church. Hallelujah. And if he says, good, give it. But if they don't want it, just hallelujah. Move on. Always stay in divine order. A lot of prophecy needs to be done privately. Uh, that could be if you have something that you even think for a moment might be private or might embarrass them, you know, don't ever give it publicly. You can give a lot of prophecies privately. And then also, and then ask permission before you ever lay hands on anybody, especially if it's... Now, in this church... if. You know, you kind of already know if you come up here for prayer, we're going to lay hands on you. But, you know, if it was somebody that we didn't know at all, we, you know, we would probably either, you know, we would kind of take their hand or something that just reach out our hand and them take it or something until we know them better. Um, another kind of prophecy that needs to be privately is anything to pastor and I. You don't ever want to put us on the spot up here. Do it privately. And also, any guest ministers, do not, and don't even prophesy to them. Listen, if you've got a prophecy for a guest minister, you come to me and pastor and tell us what it is first. And then we'll call them over and say, they have a word for you. Or we'll say, you know, let's wait on that. Or we'll just say, write that down. A lot of times, the best thing to do is write down a prophecy. If you have a prophecy for a five-fold minister, write it down. That way you don't, you know, it's going to save you from any embarrassment. Hallelujah. So that's a good thing to do. And always remember, especially, um, I think I heard. I think I heard. You know, as you grow, if you've been a prophet for 30 years, they don't have to say, I think I heard anymore. You know, Joe Morris will say, I know because I have heard God say so many times, I know I heard. I know I heard. Yeah. You know, but we, you know, we in here might all still be in the, I think I heard. <laughs> Hallelujah. And it never hurts. And you know, sometimes Joe will say, I could miss it a million miles. He will humble himself too. Uh, Curry Blake said, you may not have heard of him, but you will soon. Um, he says, people come up to him all the time. He's international. And he says, people say, I have a word for you. Will you receive it? And he says to them, you give it and I'll decide whether I'll receive it. So if you don't want somebody saying something that, like that to you, um, Hallelujah. Write it down. That's a good thing to do. Write it down. He, here's the thing. We don't practice on five-fold ministers. If we're practicing still, and you know if you're still on the practicing stage, you know, we don't practice on five-fold ministers. We, what we do is we practice on our kids. We practice on people out there. You go, but go prophesy in the marketplace any time you want to. And even then, we can be humble about it. Hallelujah. So, uh, and then, and then we, even in this, the, this room, do it humbly. Like if you think you have a word for Leanne, we'll do it humbly. Leanne, I, I, I think I heard, or I think I saw, praise God. And, and we don't do that in front of the church. She, she give that privately. Now there is an exception. Here's the exception. Pastor's up here. He's ministering. And he says, does anybody have anything? There's your window. And, you know, I, you know, I do that a lot. I'll have something I think I'm supposed to give in a service, and I'll say to the Lord, Now, Lord, if I'm supposed to give this in this service, then have him call on me. 
And if he doesn't call on me, I just hold it. Because that's the thing about prophecies. You can hold them a hundred years. The spirit of the prophet subject to the prophet. So I don't, I don't just say, I had to do that. I didn't have any control. I just had to do that. I, no, we always have that control. It never comes on us and we, hallelujah. The only thing that might ever come on you and you didn't have any in control is when God just slaps you to the ground and you're slain in the spirit and you can't get up. Well, you don't have any control. But he doesn't give you a word and you don't have control. So hold it. And you might hold it 10 years. You might hold it a year. You might hold it two weeks. And pastors say, I think you have something. Well, then give it. If You know, that's, that's the time. That's the way. And we try to give plenty of opportunity in here, praise God, for people to give things. Also, fire starters was the place that we were supposed to practice on, on, uh, on prophecy. It was set up for practice. That was its design. That's what it was for. So we could get into a prophetic culture. Also in a prayer group, you can be more free if you're a part of a prayer group um, that, that you regularly go to and you're a part of that prayer group. And to your own family. Just prophesy away to your kids. Hallelujah. And practice on other things. Practice hearing God. One, of the, uh, one man said he practiced hearing God this way. It practiced word of knowledge. In a restaurant, he'd say, Lord... Tell me something about the waiter. And then if he said, uh, well, he felt like he heard December. Might have even thought he heard that their birthday was in December. But he, wouldn't, he would not tell them that. He would literally, he was practicing. So when they came up, you know, he might say something like, well, does December mean anything to you? And they went, they went yeah, that was my birth. that's when my birthday is. And he would, they, he would go, ah, that's neat. That's really neat. And if they don't say anything, don't tell them why. But if they say, why? Why do you ask? You'd say, well, you know, I was kind of listening, and it kind of seemed like I heard something about December about you. And they say, well, why did God tell you that? Say, oh, he just wants to bless you. And to just speak, I just speak blessings on you. And you're practicing. And you hadn't hurt them, but you're learning how to hear from God. It's important to practice. Glory to God. Uh, <clears throat> so, you know, that does not mean that God will not use you to speak into our lives. But like we said privately, that way it won't embarrass us, it won't embarrass you, you know. Or it won't reveal anything we don't want anybody to know yet or anything like that. We have, that's guest ministers minister to us privately a lot of times. Um, but uh, also, a lot of times what God will use is he will use you to speak into men pastor's life and give us a word even when we don't know we're getting it. I know he used uh, Melissa that way one night in prayer. He used Leanne that way one night in prayer. And they just gave something they got thinking it was for the prayer group. But pastor and I had come into the prayer meeting with something on our heart, something we needed an answer to. And, uh, and Melissa's was something. What was that softball phrase? I keep trying to remember. Finish it. She said, she talked about the Alabama softball girls that were going for the national championship that year. And she said, you know, they had a little phrase that they were using, finish it. And she said, I keep hearing that phrase, finish it. And me and Pastor had a question in our heart, and it was just like relief. And, oh, I mean, glory to God, we heard from heaven. But, hallelujah. So, that's awesome. I love it. Uh, the words for uh, neat, let we already heard that. Um, always remember you might be wrong. We always have to keep that in mind. Um, <clears throat> when, when we're having a service and you have a word and you believe you have a word for the church, what we need at River Church, here's what we need. And I believe that there's, you're being trained for this right now. Somebody in this room or maybe more than one. What we need is a gatekeeper. And that, especially we need that. Now, right now, we know everybody. We pretty much trust you. <laughs> I don't mean that ugly. <laughs> we do trust you. Uh -huh. But we also know that some of you are very new at this. Let's, so let me, and young at this. But here's the thing is when we have people coming and we don't know them so well, we need a gatekeeper. And what the gatekeeper does is you have to give your word to the gatekeeper first. 
And they determine not so much if the word is God, but is it right for this service and is the timing right? Because you can only do so much in every service. And sometimes you can break the flow of a service. And you never want to change the flow. It's not your responsibility to change the flow. The Holy Ghost may change the flow, but you don't ever change the flow. Like, for instance, pastors saying, okay, we're fixing to pray for the sick. And you raise your hand and say, Pastor, I think we're supposed to go out in the parking lot and pray for Tuscaloosa. Now, see, that's changing the flow of the service. And we don't change the flow. Okay? If pastor said we're going to pray for the sick, even if the flow isn't that in the flow, we're going to flow and pray with the sick, for the sick. Amen? And that's how, that's how it works in a service. But now, the Holy Ghost may inspire something that totally changes the flow. Or there might be even, pastor may stand, like one Sunday, pastor's up here preaching, somebody brings some money up. Well, that was totally God. It started a flow, but we kind of had two rivers flowing at once because it never broke pastor's flow. And we had another river flowing at the same time. That was awesome. Uh, that was a blessing. And it was God because it caused the building payment to be made uh, the next day. Uh, so we need that gatekeeper. Hallelujah. We'd already talked about that. Don't use prophecy to build your reputation. Um, hallelujah. Let me give you some things real quickly about prophecy wisdom. Number one, be yourself. Just be yourself. Don't copy someone else and do not use King James English. Hallelujah. And you don't have to say, thus saith the Lord. And you don't have to say, for the Lord would say unto you, my son, my son. You do not have to say those things. Hallelujah. Just be yourself. Do you talk to you, like your kids like that? For the, no, well, we don't want you really to talk to us or to the church like you talk to your kids. That might not be good, but, you know, like you would talk to a friend. You can just be yourself. Number two, realize that we can be wrong. Recognize that we are seldom completely right. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 13, 9, we know in part, we only know part, and we prophesy in part. Hallelujah. Number three, God speaks in many different ways at once. In other words, you may have a word of knowledge and prophecy might flow behind that as you're given this word. And you may also see a little mini vision at the same time. One of those little simple visions where you see the little shutter camera. So it can be, it cannot, it's not just one thing all the time. Number four, the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. That's 1 Corinthians 14, 32. And any prophecy will hold indefinitely. I, ha I know sometimes God just gives us prophet prophecies that we never give just to practice. Just, you know, he, we hear him and we say, Lord, this is what I heard. And he says, good, you heard. Hallelujah. Number five, practice the word of knowledge. We talked about that. Number six, do not prophesy beyond your faith. In other words, if you're not ready to say, um, well, uh, your name is Kathy and uh, you were born on December 22nd. Now, you know, William Branham, he did that all the time. But if that's not where your faith is, don't do it. Hallelujah. Number seven, do stretch, though, beyond your comfort zone. Hunger for more and God gives you something. When God gives you something, ask for more. And this was really a revelation to me. Like, for instance, if God shows you a little picture... Maybe you see a little picture, just a, I see an orange. Then say, then ask the Lord, say, Lord, show me more. Or tell me more. And if he does, good. But if he doesn't, just go with orange. Hallelujah. Do not, number eight, do not try to control anyone with prophetic revelation. Manipulation is bad, always. We don't try to manipulate. Do not try to control anyone. Thus saith the Lord. Let me see. Thus saith the Lord, Eric. You are supposed to give your mother $500. That would be manipulation. That would not be right. Hallelujah. And I would not do that. Hallelujah. I will tell you, Mother's Day's coming up, though. <laughs> I always tell him that every year. Number nine. 
honor the, honor the written word. You know, check and see if you have a confirming or justifying scripture. Listen, if you're not a person of the word, in other words, you're not in your Bible on a daily basis, reading your Bible, knowing your Bible, and I don't say you have to have it memorized, and I don't say you have to know every part, but you have a general, you need to stay away from prophecy. To, the, my word for the Lord is you get from the, from, the, from the Lord to you is getting the word. And you say, well, you know, everybody knows that. But, you know, we had a friend and we felt led. She's a widow. We felt led to send her uh, a book about miracles for Christmas. It's a little devotional. Melissa has the book. I have the book. And so we sent it to her as a Christmas gift just to be a blessing. Well, she comes up with cancer under her eye, bottom eyelid and has to have the eyelid removed. And Michael asked her, well, have you been reading the book? No, I don't read. I'm like, if somebody told me they were going to take my eyelid off, I think I would read about miracles. It's like, what is wrong with some people? And there are people that don't read, that really don't read their Bible. And so, but we need to anyway, even if it's hard, even if it's, you know, we can always just go down and get us a good news Bible, can't we? And that is just about as basic as they come. Or a living Bible. I mean, a first grader can read a living Bible. Okay. <clears throat> Number 10, listen to your pastor. Even if they don't understand your revelation. Number 11, follow the presence of the Lord. If you have a prophecy but no presence or no peace... Don't give it. That's one way you can tell if you've got presence is do you have peace about it. Don't give it. Number 12, serve with your gift, but do not seek to establish your authority or a position in the church with it. If You know, I don't like for people to tell me, now I, I'm a teacher, I'm a prophet, but I want to go to the nursery. I don't want to go to children's church. It's like, well, you aren't a preacher and you're not a teacher and you're not a prophet in this church until you first gone to the ministry of helps because that's where we all started. I started with first graders and everybody in here has had to, you know, and I'm sure not going to make somebody a teacher in this church when there's people in this church that have been in the nursery 11 years. It's like, get in line, get in line. Do y'all see what I'm saying? Now, because I always call them the Reesey people. Now, we had a lady in our church named Reesey in West Texas. And uh, Reesey came to visit us in the office. And, you know, we wanted Reesey to go to the nursery just like everybody else and everything. We start in the nursery. We start or in children's church or we start doing something, you know, like uh, doing the door, something like that, you know. <clears throat> We don't make people that have never seen a baby go take care of the babies. We're kind of afraid of that. Hallelujah. Although they probably could. I think you could do it because I had never seen, I was the only child, I had never seen a baby when I got Colin. Of course, he, that might be, <laughs> there might be something there. I'm not sure. Anyway, but I truly had not ever seen a baby. I hadn't burped one. I hadn't diapered one. I had not held one. I didn't know anything about babies. Nothing. Now, I'd babysit some older kids, but I had never babysit babies. So, uh, <clears throat> but anyway, <laughs> uh, but anyway, Reesey came to the office and she says, well, I just want you to know, Pastor, that I'm a co-authority in this church and I'm called Big Prophet. And he said, no, you're not. And she started calling hellfire and damnation down on us. And so he said, get out of this office. And of course, she started screaming at him and said, if you don't get it, he said, if you don't get out of this office, I'm going to call the police and have you hauled out. Hallelujah. But Reese was a prophet, but she didn't have any serve in her. And she, and, you know, she had a bad marriage. She, you know, it's like, get your own life straightened out, prophet. That doesn't mean everything has to be perfect in our lives. Don't get me wrong. But we, we, should, we should be way down the road. Before we come tell the church pastor, we're the co-authority and the pastor. And the, oh, my Lord. Jesus, help us. And Reese and Irma started sitting on the front row, and they told us. They started sitting on the front row so they could control him while he was preaching. They were so ignorant, they told us. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Uh, 
Number 13, find mature prophetic people to disciple you. Ask questions. Ask a lot of questions. And there's plenty to study now. I've given you names of books, and there's books out there. You can go to Amazon. You can find all sorts of books on prophecy. But I, hallelujah. Number 14, prophesy what the Lord shows you, nothing else. Be concise, not wordy. Number 15, smile when you prophesy. I don't know that I always do that. But we can possibly frighten people even though we are trying to help and encourage them. Hallelujah. You know, sometimes it's the tone besides what you're saying. And I'm not saying I'm really good at that. My grandmother, I got it. I inherited it. I'll blame her. But everything she said, she said loudly. And all her sisters did too. And so I can just talk loud and not even know it, you know. But I'm, I'm trying to work on that. Uh, <clears throat> Number 16, do not try to be the Holy Spirit to someone or anyone. <laughs> Hallelujah. Number 17, ask permission before laying hands, especially if you don't know the people. That's a good idea. Number 18, get healed yourself from all emotional wounds and rejection and from your past. Because when we're wounded and we have soul problems, we will react in our soul and, and misinterpret what we think we're hearing. So, you know, if you've got issues with mind, will, and emotions and you are emotionally a wreck, that might be a good time to just not say anything. Number uh, 19, walk away when you're angry. Don't prophesy out of anger. If you have any negative emotion towards the person or the situation, then be quiet. Because we can get a negative emotion and we could prophesy something that really wasn't God, couldn't we? A number 20. Or we could prophesy something that wasn't God, but he didn't ask us to prophesy. It was God, but he didn't ask us to prophesy. <laughs> number 20. Do not pray prophecy. Speak it. Sometimes we kind of try to veil it in prayer and Really, that's not take it. You know, you got to jump in it. Number 21, use what you have. First Timothy 4, 14 and 15. I'll let you look that up. But you have to use it or you'll lose it. Anything you've got, gift or hearing or seeing. Number 22, do not validate personal beliefs through prophecy. Thus saith the Lord, there will not be a rapture. The rapture has been canceled. Because there's a lot of people that believe that. That we are not having a rapture. And you know what? I used to, we used to have a friend, you know, we'd discuss pre-tribulation rapture, mid-tribulation rapture, or after, pre-mid or post. That's what it is. And, uh, but he always used to say, I'm going to be on the first train out. And that's, that's the position we adopted. It's like, we believe that there is the rapture of the church and it's pre-trib. But if we miss it, first train out. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So don't prophesy doctrine to people and try to change them. Uh, always make our motive to bring out the gold. I just like a few more. In a church service, number 24, submit the word to the person in charge of the service. We're pretty free here now because, you know, we can do that. But uh, as things change and as revival increases, we will have gatekeepers. And that means to not only accurate words, have accurate words, but also the timing. Just be right on them. Number 25, negative words release death, release life, even if you feel like you're calling those things that be not as though they were. Hallelujah. I know we've had that happen in church. We had a man come to this church, and he prophesied to a man and said, he, he stood him up and said, you're a tither, right? And the man said, yes. And we were thinking, Really? <laughs> Not to this church. <laughs> Hallelujah. But, you know, sometimes God will call things that be not as though they were. Amen. Uh, <clears throat> number 26. Warning words need to be submitted to leadership. If you have a warning for the church or a warning for somebody, you always need to submit that to leadership. And when we go to leadership, and this, in, this is in counseling and prophecy or anything, and we say... The Lord told me to do this. Then you have actually shut the door. When you come in and say, well, the Lord told me, what you're saying is, I really don't want your opinion. Pastor talked about it Sunday morning. He said when he asks for counsel, he says to who he goes to, I think I heard this. Do you have a witness that this could be God? You know, people can't keep you from what you're called to do. And it's okay to be submitted uh, Pastor Webb put us down here to start this church 
and he said, somebody, you get it started, and then I'm going to turn it over to somebody else, and you can go start another one. That was the original plan. Well, when we got down here to pastor, we said, when we started coming down on Sunday afternoon, we said, we're called to live in this town. We are called to this town. This is our town. It just, we were, we were on vacation when we were in Trustville, but when we got here, this is home. We could feel it immediately. And so we told him, and he said, well, I got three people in line for that church before y'all, after you get it started. So we just sat on it. We didn't, we could have just pulled out and done it anyway. We could have, but we didn't. And you know what we told him? We told him, we, if you say no, we will never do it. And we are not doing it until, unless you say yes. But then we gave him a reason. <laughs> we wrote, he wrote him a letter. And letters are just awesome. You can express things that faithful ministers will never give you time to say. Especially Pastor Webb. You, you were getting it on the fly. Anyway, he wrote him a letter and he told him all the reasons those other three people were not the pastors of this church. And told him, but we will never leave until you say so. And that night, we were in a fellowship with him after, you know, after the service, how the ministers will fellowship. And he kicked him on the shoe and said, we'll go on down there then. That was a good letter. And we put our house up for sale the next day, came over here and, you know, hallelujah. But you don't have to rebel. You don't have to avoid authority and sneak around. You do not have to do that. If it's God, He will make a way. And you can go out right, and you can come in right to what the next thing you're doing, and you can, and you can wait for authority to release you. Hallelujah. Uh, number 27, we only have authority if we are willing to submit to authority. And if we only submit to leadership when we agree, then that is called doing our own thing. Do you hear what I'm saying? If we only submit when we agree with Pastor Webb, I sure didn't agree with him that there were three people. And the three people he told us, I can't remember the third one, but I remember two of them. And I'm like, uh-uh, no way. And... Uh, You have to invite leadership into your life, and you have to learn to trust leadership more than you do yourself. Hallelujah. That has not ever been hard for me, to trust other people. And it started when I had Colin. I, was, I didn't know anything. Most, some mothers are so protective of their babies because they think they would do better. I was totally the opposite. I would have said, yeah, you can, you can take care of Colin because... I know you'll do better than I'm doing. <laughs> Hallelujah. I totally trusted. Uh, you know, and I think that was my first step in trust. The only way out of deception is to trust someone else more than we do ourselves. Hallelujah. That wraps up prophecy. Now, we're in for some great things coming up. Next week, we're going to do something good. I don't know what it is, but I know it's good. We're kind of changing uh, a whole, the whole flow and going to be doing that probably through the summer where it's going to flow a lot different on Wednesday night. Actually, we're kind of going to do this. We're going to do one Wednesday night will be this. Another Wednesday night will be that. Like one Wednesday night is going to be healing night. One Wednesday night a month will be healing. And then we've got some other things and we're just, so we're just going to have a little variety through the rest of the spring and the summer. And it's going to be good, and it's going to be enjoyable, and we're going to learn a lot. Hallelujah. It'll be scheduled. You'll know, oh, it's fourth Wednesday or third Wednesday or whatever. It's fourth Wednesday. It's healing night. Hallelujah. And we'll come. We'll get in faith about it. We're going to be healed, and we're also, God's going to heal the sick. I'm going to be ready to pray for people. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah.